0: The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of the blessing you felt? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out, that you may make much of them. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose. And not only when I am present with you, my little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for the message that you have here for us today prepared by uh, Randall. I pray a blessing over Randall as he speaks. Would he speak your truth and would we be able to open our ears and our hearts to hear and listen what you have to say and accept it? So I pray all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Joe.
1: We have fun here, don't we? All right, well, my name is Randall. If this is your first time here, thanks for coming this morning. Uh, we're going to be continuing in our series right now called Who We Are, and uh, we are covering the core values of our church. And so you might be coming this morning asking, well, what is Grace City Church about? Um, and so today we're going to touch another, on another one of our values uh, for Grace City. And uh, today what that message is going to be on is mission. Um, our challenge has been from the beginning of the year uh, just to plant Right To say, would you come over a six-week span to listen, to hear, to engage in uh, what our core values are? And we've been going through the book of Galatians. And if you're just joining us this morning, I'd encourage you, uh, listen to the podcast. uh, Go online. You can watch on there. Again, if you've missed any, you can do the same thing. But our text today is from Galatians chapter 4. And we're going to be looking at verses 12 through 20. Now, for the first week when we started, we talked about the gospel. We are a gospel-centered church, and so uh, that's where we start. That's where really everything flows from is knowing Jesus and the gospel and what he has done for us. Uh, The next week, we talked about the Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and then last week, we talked about family. And like I said, today, we're going to be talking about mission. Mission. Grace City Church is a family like we've been created by God as a family on mission, on mission, right? God didn't just save us to come hang out on a Sunday morning, but he says, no, I've got something for you. I have a plan for you, and and, and I'm asking you to step into a purpose. See, we have a missional DNA. Now, what does that mean? It means that God has given Grace City a purpose, and not only Grace City, he's given you a purpose. See, this church is not just a group of people gathering in a building each week, singing some songs, and listening to a message. And those are all great things, right? Because the word says, don't forsake the gathering of the saints. So we do everything we can to to put everything we can into what happens on a Sunday morning. But that's not it. That is not us, right? There's so much more to the church. Because what the Bible calls the church is the ecclesia, The ecclesia, And what that means is we are the called out ones, The called out ones. We've been called out for a purpose so that we can be sent back out into the world with God's love, with God's compassion, with God's heartbeat. How does God communicate his love to the world? He does it through you, through me, through us. See, we have a purpose And we believe that Jesus, in His work, is far too big to just be boxed in to one hour, or if you come to Grace City, one and a half, you know, one hour and a half, right? You see, a little bit more, or just one day out of the week, right? Like He calls us to so much more. The work of Jesus is so much bigger. See, Jesus' purpose and His intentions for our lives encompass all of our lives every part of our lives every facet of our lives that's the work of jesus that's what he does he comes into every part and so you see this is important because many people in our city right now are struggling with their purpose in life they're searching and they're saying well how can i create create a sense of meaning or is there a purpose for me They're your friends, they're your neighbors, people right around you, maybe even yourself, you're questioning, do I have a purpose? We all struggle with this, but I believe that God has placed a need for purpose in all of us for a reason, to point back to Him. In July 2016, uh, Will Storr of the New Yorker wrote an article called A Better Kind of Happiness. And here's what he says, Aristotle triggered a revolution in happiness. At the time, Greek philosophers were trying hard to define precisely what the state of being was. Some contended that it sprang from hedonism, the pursuit of sensual pleasure. Others argued from the perspective of a tragedy, believing happiness to be a goal, a, a final destination that made the drudge of life worthwhile. These ideas are still with us today. But Aristotle proposed a third option. That happiness was not merely a feeling or a golden promise, but a practice. It's living in a way that fulfills our purpose. It's flourishing. Aristotle was saying, stop hoping for happiness tomorrow. Happiness is being engaged in the process. Now, thousands of years later, evidence that Aristotle may have been onto something has been detected in the most surprising of places, the human genome. And so this article highlights how within our genes, we all need purposeful work. Like it's written into who we are as people. And so there's so much unhappiness going around right now because what they're proposing in this article is that many of us are not living out the purpose that we were intended for. And so there are people out there right now trying to create their purpose. And, And many studies say that when you find purpose, it actually helps you to live longer and you're healthier for that. But why? Why? Is it just for something that is only momentary and temporal? Or is it for something more that will last for eternity? See, are you searching right now? Because ultimately, my, my contention is that believers in Jesus, we shouldn't have this type of struggle. Not the type of struggle like the rest of the world's having right now. Because we have been created with a purpose and Jesus has told us what our purpose is. He says, you don't have to go create your purpose and find what it is. He says, I I will give it to you. You can receive it. You see, God has not only saved us into a family, he saved us into a purpose for life. He's given us a mission, something that lasts and that matters. Jesus' last words on earth are recorded in Matthew 28, 19 through 20. And here's what he says. He says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, what gets missed a lot of the time in the translation is when we see this word go. We think that it's only for people that are missionaries going somewhere else. But what this is, is if you translated it from the original text, as you go. As you go. And so Jesus is inviting everyone. He's saying, as you go out into the world, take the message of Jesus with you. Will you go? This is famously called the Great Commission. And Jesus, in this great commission, is saying, I have a purpose for you. And the beauty is that Jesus doesn't just tell us, go. He says, as you go, I'll be with you. I'll be with you. I'll walk with you. I'll go out there with you wherever it is that you're going. And so what does it look like as you go out into our city, into our community? Right now, San Diego is the eighth largest city in the United States. 1.3 million people live in San Diego, the city itself. Within UC and some of the surrounding area here, 97% of people do not have a church home. Around 6% of people say that they are uh, evangelical Christians. So 94% would say that they have no church connection to Jesus at all. Right here in our area, over thirty thousand students go to UCSD. We've got young business professionals right down the street, scientists, artists, doctors, leaders and future leaders. All right here in our area. And it's not only here in UC, it's it's all throughout our city. Some of the biggest discoveries in medicine are being found right down the street. And people say, well, isn't San Diego a transient place? Isn't that just a place where people go for just a little while and then they leave? See, there's always that barrier, right, of, of doubt. Well, why should I invest there? Because, oh, it's just people are going to leave anyway. Or it's just, you know, you're there for a season. Here's what I believe I believe that God can transform our city, our city, into one of the largest training grounds to do good and to share the gospel with the world. With the world. See, do we see the time and place where God has set us? Because that's important and it matters. And he said, I've given you a purpose and you don't have to go find it somewhere else. See, many people tell me, they say, well, I want to do something amazing with my life. I wish that God would do something in my life unexplainable. I want to experience life the way that it was meant to be. I want a fulfilling life. Here's my question Are you living on mission with Jesus right now? Are you living on mission with Jesus right now? Because if you are, you don't have to hope for the unexplainable, it will happen it will come to you as you are walking with him. See, for me and my family, I don't want us to live a safe, predictable life. I want it to be a life that's unexplainable. See, you and I only got one life, that's it. One life to live. And for me, I believe that I am accountable to God with the life that I'm living right now. And so as I come before him, I don't want to just live something that's explainable and say, well God, you remember like here, all these things that I did. I want, I want to be able to come before him and say, God, I can't explain what just happened. Because you took me and you knew me and you knew where I came from. And you lifted me up and made me into a person I could have never been. The kind of husband, father, person that served our community, pastor, any of those things that I could have never been unexplainable the only way that you can explain a life live for God is it was his power it was his strength it was his wisdom it was God who did it See, when we talk about living for the glory of God for God's fame and name that, that's all that happens when you say God it, 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 it's not about me it's all about him And this type of life, it's not just for pastors and leaders and people in our, you know, city, community that are just being lifted up. This is for the everyday person. God wants to do this through all of us. Right, like you think about the disciples that Jesus takes aside and says, okay, you're you're gonna be the ones that I'm gonna choose to go change the world. They were natural enemies. Some of them were tax collectors right? You got Matthew, who's a tax collector. You've got uh, some of other Jesus' disciples, like James and John, who were just fishermen, and then they were also really angry guys. They're, they were so angry that they were called the, the sons of thunder. Like, they've got a thunderous attitude, right? But then what, by the end of the gospels, we find that John is the apostle of love, So he takes a really angry person and makes him into an apostle of love. See, when you're on mission with Jesus, he just changes you into something that you could have never been. And you think about the women in Scripture that he lifted up, that in that culture were just cast aside. He says, I'm elevating you. I'm lifting you up and you matter to me even though the world would cast you aside. That's the king we serve. He's a king that calls us into mission and says, I will elevate you and lift you up and make you something that you could have never been. And that's why our mission as a church is this, to equip you with the gospel for everyday life. We are here because the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter four says to equip the people of God for the works that they've been called to. That's why we're here. We are here to serve you and to equip you so that you can go do what God is calling you to do because we want to put the gospel in your hands and say, go. Jesus is with you, go. What happens? That's that's between you and him, right? You are the church. You're the church. Not just a gathering on Sunday morning. This is a lot bigger than that. I remember talking with one of my friends. He's a pastor locally here. And uh, he says, you know, I talked to my, uh, the, the people that go to my church, and he says, how many churches are there in San Diego? And they're thinking, like, huh? I don't know. He says, there's only one. There's only one church. That, that's the truth. There is only one church. It is God's church, and we are here to serve God. And so we want to do our part as Grace City to serve you so that you can go be the church. Uh, Leslie who was a missionary and a uh, great thinker, he says, The church is not meant to call men and women out of the world into a safe religious enclave, but to call them in order to send them back as agents of God's kingship. That's why we're here. See, 2 Corinthians 5.20 says something astounding. The apostle Paul is writing, he says, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Who's he talking about here? He's talking about all believers. We are ambassadors of the king. And so you think about the role and the responsibility of an ambassador. The ambassador is the one that's like this royal official that is sent into another place to just share about the kingdom. Right, like where they came from. Like you're supposed to go share about where that place is and what it's like and be a representative. Now that you've been bought into the kingdom of God, now that you're a part of the family of God, you're able to go out and share and tell people about who he is. So he's, been call, he's called us into this. And there's this amazing thing. He says God making his appeal through us. Now, this is, this is incredible. This is astounding here. He says that th- this word here is parakaleo and what it means is that he is, he is speaking through you. God is pleading with people through you. Good. Good. God, it, it, this is how far it goes. It says that even you could translate this begging. Begging people through you. Say please, be reconciled to God. Be made right with God. We implore you on behalf of Jesus. That's how important this is. See, this is God putting the b- baton in your hands and saying, go. God working through you. And being an ambassador is the greatest purpose we could ever have. It is the greatest purpose we could ever have. Timothy Keller writes this, he says, Paul saw himself as an ambassador at all times. He wasn't just an ambassador on Sunday morning when he went to church. He wasn't just an ambassador when he felt like it. Paul was always acting as a representative of Jesus. You and I are called to be ambassadors to this world for the cause of Christ at all times and in all situations, we are ambassadors. Do you see how this isn't just a Sunday morning and saying that's why you're here, but it encompasses every part of who you are? That's what God calls us into. And so our text today, Galatians 4, 12 through 20, and let me give you some background here. In today's text, Paul is letting us in on how he planted the church in Galatia. And Galatia is is a very broad term, and so again, it's like San Diego County, and um, that, that's, that's what he is doing here. He's saying this is how it started. This is how the gospel movement started. He tells us about a time when the gospel was flourishing and relationships were healthy. And in today's text, it informs us of mission. Mission. And so here's the question. What are the marks of a life on mission? Mission. What are the marks of a life on mission? And so I'm going to give you all three up front. And we're going to break it down from today's text. And so here's the first point it's flexibility. Second, it's transparency. And third, it's transformation. Flexibility, transparency, transformation. So let's look together at verses 12 and 13 for our first point, flexibility. Um, it says, Brothers, I entreat you. Become as I am, for I also became as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. Okay, so here's, here's what we're seeing here from this text. First, Uh, Paul says something interesting. He says, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. Now, when Paul is talking about this here, he's talking about, um, I I lived in your culture, I became like you. And what we see is that uh, he is being flexible with the culture and the place that he's in. Right, so some of us come from different places and backgrounds and people groups, and that's great. But what Paul is saying is, even with my background, it won't be a hindrance to me reaching people that I'm, I'm with right now. I won't hold on to that so that I can't reach people where I'm at. And what this is, is incarnation. Incarnation. Because think about the gospel for a minute God becomes man, Jesus. Becomes like us. This is this is the astounding thing about the Christian faith. No other faith can say this: that God became man. We are the only ones. And what that means is that if God became man, He related to us in a way that no other God can. That's what He's done. So God, being flexible enough to come and be like us, to jump into the mess and to say, "I'm going to love you through the mess," is the God that we serve. That's the gospel. God became like us, and He loved us so that He could save us. Right, so that that's that's who He is. That's what He's on. Like. So He's flexible with culture. And so now, what what Paul is saying here is, just as Jesus did that for me, I did that for you. Because he, right here, He's He's intriguing. he's He's saying, "Okay, become as I am." Here's what an inflexible thing is, like. You go into a culture, you go into a place. This has happened with with missionary groups and things. They say, well, I'm gonna go in there and the culture, you people here need to become like us. Our way is the right way and so you need to do it like us. You need to become like us. But what Paul didn't start with is he says, you remember when I came to you, I became like you. His first step when he went into their culture was he became like them. He lived with them, he hung out with them. He learned their their customs and cultures and things that they did, and he appreciated it. He went in and says, "This is a good thing i can I can appreciate your culture you know, one of the things that that has always blown my mind about my wife is you know for, for me again, I talked about this a little bit, like my background, right so I was born in Hawaii. I lived in the Midwest. I, my my grandmother's like uh, Hawaiian. My uh, grandfather's Japanese. And so I've got like this huge slew of different cultures and backgrounds within my family. I remember my, asking my grandmother, I said, Grandma, um, can you tell me again how many different backgrounds I have? And you know, like all that. And so she just starts naming all of these different cultures i was like wow you know just as a kid i'm like uh and, and one of the things that my wife has done is even though we didn't have the same background she's learned and grown to love the cultures of who i am right? and that's what you do when you love someone isn't it you truly appreciate and love them for them their background, their heritage, all those things. And so what we see is that the Apostle Paul, first thing he did is he's, he's like, I'm gonna be flexible. I'm gonna be flexible with the culture and I'm gonna love the people that are right there, right in front of me. But then he also does this. He's flexible with the plan. He's flexible with his plan. Now this is hard for us, right? Because verse 13 says, it was because of an illness that I first preached to you. What that points to is it probably wasn't in his agenda that he was gonna end up here wasn't in the grand scheme of things that he was going to end up uh, preaching to the people here but he says it was because of an illness that I first preached to you you know the thing is that we find in the scriptures is that there are no coincidences there are no like happenstances right but God puts you in the right place at the right time for his purposes And I cannot tell you how many times, even in the midst of this journey of church planting where we just end up being at the right place at the right time. And there's no explanation for it, other than God did it. See, what happens a lot of the time and a lot of the frustration that we find in our lives is built up because we're holding on to our plan instead of saying, God, it's really about your plan. And what we believe is that God is sovereign. He's king, because what we find in Matthew 28 is he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And what he's saying is, you know what? I'm king now. Like there's a lot of stuff going on in your world, but I'm king now. And it's through my power and my authority that the rule happens, right? And so you live in my world. Even though it doesn't look like it at times, we live in God's world. And God has a plan that's much bigger than ours. And so, what Paul is saying here is that I let go of my plan and I held tightly to God's plan. See, when I release my plan into God's hands, I will be overwhelmed with how He provides. I'll just be overwhelmed by it because what it points to is His grace is grace. Right? Like any of us, all the good that's happened in our lives, like at some point you have to say, here's where I got a break and here's where I got a break and here's where I got a break to get where I am. Like none of us if we're honest can say that we got to where we are on our own. We got there because God had this grace on our lives that we just didn't deserve that he's actually got this plan that's a lot bigger than what we see and so what we see here is the mark of a person who's living on mission is a flexibility to say you know what you don't have to just become like me but i'm gonna become like you i'm gonna love you right where you're at now does he give up the values of god and what he believes and all those things no He comes in and says, I'm just gonna love you where you're at, I'm gonna be the God version of me that I can be, appreciate your culture and who you are, and then just see how God's plan is so much bigger than mine, flexibility. And so then we go on and and we find it's not only the flexibility of this, but it's also the transparency, the transparency. Now with Paul, we see two levels of transparency here. The first one is that Paul was open and honest about who he was. He was open and honest about who he was because here's what he says. He says, become as I am in verse 12. Become as I am. How do they know who Paul is? It's because he was transparent with them and open about who he was. He's saying, here's what I believe. Right, like many times what happens is we, we're afraid to be open about what we believe, right? There are gonna be people who just don't understand what it means to be a Christian, and that's okay. But if we think that the gospel will be preached and taught only through our actions and never through our words, then we're misguided. We're misguided. There will be a point where you will need to speak up where you will need to say, this is who I am. This is what God has done, and this is the truth that I find all through the scriptures, and here's what Jesus has done. We need to be equipped to be able to share, really, the story of Jesus, and, and, and Paul is not only saying, I'm just gonna become like you, because that's what happens, isn't it? Like, we go in one direction, we say, well, I'm just gonna become like you. We're gonna hang out. But then the other side that is just as misguided is, no, you need be, to become like me. And what that is is self-righteousness. You need to become like I am. Well, how did you get to be who you are? Oh, by the grace of God. That's how I got to who I am. Like That's Paul's explanation every time. He says, I am what I am by the grace of God. And so we need to share that and be open. And so Paul was open and honest about who he was. He was transparent it says, be like me. You know, there was this um, <clears throat> campaign, as which is blowing my mind right now, uh, because I remember it as a kid, uh, 25 years ago. Gatorade did this campaign called Be Like Mike. You remember that? Be Like Mike. And what this was was a campaign f- uh, uh, about Michael Jordan. Uh, one of the greatest basketball players ever to ever live. Some people argue the greatest basketball player to ever live. And uh, ESPN did an article on this commercial uh, recently because it was 25 years uh, last year that this, this commercial came out. And it said, days before the commercial was to debut, um, there was an advertising exec, Bernie Pitzel, which was put into the game a little bit late, and so he was in charge of this, uh, but they put him in the process a little bit late, and so he got to preview the commercial they were going to put out there, and his response was he thought it was awful. He thought it was awful, uh, because at that point, it was merely showing highlights of Jordan dunking. He so said it was something that Nike had already shown countless times, and um, he's like, we're not going to put another commercial out there like Nike's doing, um, we need to do a new campaign. We need to do something, Be Like Mike. And uh, so through the commercial, what he did is he's just churning on this. He's like, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? And so he's like, he he gets this idea. He writes it on a napkin, and he writes this little jingle, I want to be like Mike. I want to be like Mike. And so he's like, it's terrible. It's terrible but it's catchy, and so we get some people on it, we can get this thing going, and what happens was they changed the whole format of this commercial, where before, all Michael Jordan was doing was dunking, dunking on people, dunking, 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 completely unrelatable, right, like, I can't do that, as a seven-year-old, I could not do that. Right? Like, so that would not have appealed to me um, as much. Like, I wish I could, but I can't. Um, and so what they did was they, they had in the new commercial, Michael Jordan hanging out with some kids, talking with them, drinking Gatorade together, and singing this song, Be Like Mike. Now, that's a little bit more relatable. That's something that you can, you can do, right? Like, that's, that's something you can come close to and, and, and relate to. And what Paul is doing is saying, when, when, when I'm telling you, you need to be like me, this isn't something that's so out there that you can't do it. This is something that you can do when God's in your life. Right? Like, isn't that what happens? Like, you think, well, I can't be like that pastor. I can't be like that leader. I can't be like... There is no separation like that in the kingdom of God. It's not like impossible for somebody to step into that life because if you know Jesus, it's possible. He can do that through you. You can do this because God is in you, living through you. He's walking this journey together. And so we see that he was open and honest about who he was but here's the second part about that it's really hard for us verse 13 and though my condition was a trial to you you did not scorn or despise me but received me as an angel of God as Christ Jesus this is hard right Paul was placed in a vulnerable position he was sick he was unable to take care of himself and So what he needed was he needed someone to help him. And as somebody came in, you know, the people in Galatia came in and and helped him, Paul became even more relatable and approachable. Do you hate receiving help? Do you hate being looked upon as weak? Do you know that it's... Going to be through those moments that the gospel is going to shine through in ways that you never thought possible. Because in that, you're going to be more relatable than you are when you're strong. See, on mission, what happens is this people are going to see you at your worst, they're going to see you at your worst. It's going to come out but it's through pain, suffering, and vulnerability that you learn to be a family. How did the people in Galatia really become a family in Christ? Through their weakness, through their pain, through their struggles, through seeing Paul in this vulnerable state, through helping one another. Can I just say this? In In our generation right now, we want instant and so we're not willing to invest and pour into something because it just takes too long. Right? That's why I love the microwave. It's great. A right? like, minute and 30 seconds later, I'm going to have my food. But is it the best for me? No. <laughs> Here's the thing. We think that same thing about relationships. We're not willing to be open, transparent, put into a vulnerable position. It's, but we expect there to be family. We expect there to be people there for us. Respect to journey through the hard times together and have all those memories. Let's just be honest. Like a lot of the things that we post on Instagram and Facebook and social media, they're not real. They're not real. And what's happening more and more as I'm seeing and I'm talking with millennials that they're getting off of Facebook and social media because they're like, I can't keep up with this fake life. And what Paul is saying is, I'm transparent to the point where I will be vulnerable, and there were people who were coming alongside him saying, we'll be there for you. In the middle of your mess, we'll be there for you. This is a transparency that we don't find in our world. and We need it. People, we, we, we need people to be vulnerable. We need people to be real. We need to be real. And to that point... What happens in a family is usually there are going to be brush-ups and times where there's going to be friction. And what Paul is doing right now is he wasn't only open and honest about who he was, but he's open and honest about what he saw. He's open and honest about what he saw because look at verses 15 and 16. He says, what then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? Right, like he is coming in and saying, okay, this is how you treated me before. Why are you treating me differently now? You know, the only way you can have those types of conversations is when you're a family. Is when you've been through some things with people. Right, because most of the time when you have those types of conversations, people just leave. They say, well, I don't want that. But Paul stuck it out and he says, I'm going to be here with you and I'm going to tell you what I honestly see. I'm gonna tell you the truth, the hard truth. And right now, you're treating me like an enemy because I was honest with you and I told you the truth of God. Here's just a relational tip, just something that you see, because this happened to Paul. Distance naturally creates suspicion. Distance, right, from people. So like, you, you don't come, here to the gathering for a little while. You're not hanging out with people from you're like you're like uh, a little suspicious, right? I think some thoughts about people. Well, nobody talking to me. Nobody cares about me, right? There's like those types of things that go through your mind. They're like you start, and then it allows these lies to creep in. Some really, really bad lies. And we say, well, you know, that's not going to happen to me. It happened to the Apostle Paul. Okay, so the Apostle Paul, he is a better, like, in Christ, like, sanctified person than I am. And and I don't think that that's going to happen, right? Like, this happened to the Apostle Paul whose motives were more, like, at that point, pure than any of us. It happened to him. You got to know it's going to happen to you, to me. And so, what that means is that we need to stay closely connected and honest with one another so that we can come. Because the last part is this transformation. Transformation. Verse four, uh, verse 19, he says, My little children. They can listen to the way he talks to them. My little children. He sees them as his, like, if, if I had kids, you're my kids. You're my kids, my little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. This is packed full of transformation and just a heart for people. See, because there's two layers of it. First, Paul, he's changed, he's changed through this process. Like he is personally changed because he is like, these people are no longer distant people from me, but you're, you're so close to me that you are my family. And what I am going through you, because we're so tightly connected right now, is I am going through such pain and agony because I want you to be more like Jesus. Anguish. Anguish. Do you know that pain and suffering Is probably the most Powerful way For you and me to be changed And the way that Paul's talking about it here is In the pains of of childbirth Now I'm related to somebody Who's gone through childbirth Right, the whole process My wife And After seeing my wife go through the type of suffering that it takes for a child to enter in the world, my only response, and I remember this, when uh, my son was being born and both of my girls were being born, the only thought that kept going through my head was, this is the bravest, most courageous person I've ever met because she sacrificed her body for our kids and I thought to myself man th- that type of suffering for another is I think one of the most sacrificial things that I've ever seen personally in my life of what love is and I even think about just Grace City you know and just the process of planting a church and being a part of a church, the only thing I can think of is blood, sweat, and tears. And we were joking this morning about the first preview service before our opening Sunday, and I was setting something up and literally cut a chunk out of my finger. They don't trust me with scissors here. They don't trust me. There's a reason, right? Right? I mean, you pour into something, you love something, You love people, you're like, man, this is why God put me here. There will be pain involved if it's worth doing. And living on mission, you can't help but being changed in the process by God. Because here's the thing I know. Me and my family, we are not the same people we were before we planted. We're not. Christ has been formed more and more in our hearts. We know him better, and it's worth it. See, Paul was changed in this process. As he thinks about these people, he says, you are my little children. But then what happens next is others are changed. Others are changed because here's what he says, I will not give up on you until Christ is formed in you. Where do you see that type of commitment in our world today? Where do you see people saying, I will journey with you to the end? Not giving up on you. That's what Paul's saying here. Even though you've treated me poorly and you've torn me down and you've put other people in front of me, I will not give up on you. That's how people are changed. When we don't give up, we keep showing up. When people say, I don't want you here. Right? right. That's how change happens. See, the over ilu- overarching illustration that Paul uses here is parenting. And this is personal. The best way I've learned to be a minister of the gospel is through parenting. It's hard, it's strenuous. It'll push you to your limits. There's major pain involved, right? And it's not only like the process of seeing my wife go through childbirth, but it's also painful in the things that your kids say and do, isn't it? For those of you who are parents, it is. It's a process of pain because here's what happens. There are times where my kids have told me, you don't love me. You don't love me. And in the back of my mind, I'm in agony because they don't realize how much we've given up out of love for them. Right? Right? right. That that's what it means is to come in and say, you know what? I'm going to love you through the midst of it. And there is major pain involved. pastor friend of mine said, having a child is like having your heart walk outside of your chest. When you have kids, you lose your heart. There's major pain and suffering involved. But it's all worth it. (laughs) Because this is the second part. There's always a dream for more. There's always hope for more. See, I want my kids to know and love Jesus and be formed into his image, and I'm not giving up on them. Again, I told you guys this. Like, my son's asked, like, are you kicking me out of the house, Dad? We're, you know, like, I messed up. I'm like, no, we're not kicking you out of the house. You're here. And that's the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God, he's like, I'm not kicking you out of the house. You're right here. See, we don't realize how important the mission is until it gets personal. Until it gets personal. Do you hear me on that? You don't realize how important the mission is until it gets personal. Until you feel it. This was personal for Paul. And I'm just going to give a disclaimer. We are a church that is passionate about making disciples. And we will love you through your darkest times. And there are going to be things where I'm going to come up here and I'm going to have to say something because I'm just accountable to this and I'm accountable to him. And you're going to be like, man, I don't like that. It doesn't feel good. But here's my heart, and here's the heart of our team of people that are here. We are not here to make you comfortable. We are here because we want you to be transformed by God into the image of the Son. And what Paul is saying here is there are pastors and people out there that didn't want that for them. But we're just going to lay it out there. This is our heart. This is our heart. And there are good men and women all over this city that are doing that same thing. Different churches, different places, one church. That's the church of God. That's what we do. See, the Apostle Paul says this. He says, Galatians 1.10, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. That's why he's here. That's what he did, what he did. So quickly, some takeaways. What do we need to do about mission? First one is this. We need to know that God is a missional God. God is a missional God. The God of the Bible goes after us. Think about this. God sent his son Jesus on a mission trip for you. God reached out first. He became like us so that he could reach us. But not only that, He died so he could save us. He put it all out there. See, the more you think about the gospel, the more it will spur on God's mission in your heart and in your life. C.J. Mahaney says this, the gospel is life-permeating, world-altering, universe-changing truth. It has more facets than any diamond. Its depths man will never exhaust. Do you know how deeply God loves you the gospel is true second we need this God calls every believer into his mission it's not just some believers out there it is every believer and I want to say this quickly we need you we need you step into the purpose God has for your life you have a specific gift he has given you to share the gospel with the world Third, God blesses us to be a blessing. God blesses us to be a blessing. Here's how we do that at Grace City. We say we're open for business. We are open for business. We are here to serve. Right, like, isn't the worst thing when you show up to a store or something and you're like, man, I just need this thing. And the light's off. Oh, sorry, we're just closing a little bit early today. Right, like, (laughs) what? (laughs) What? I wanted my ice cream today. You know, like, <laughs> I came here to get ice cream. That is the worst thing. And, um, and so, Grace City, we are here, and we are open for business, and I was listening to something recently. Proverbs 11.10 says this, when the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. What does this prospering mean? It's prospering and knowing that God has given you this great success in life, and, and saying, okay, there, like God's blessing is on my life. Why does the city rejoice? Because you don't use it for yourself. The righteous, what what the word means, it means that you will bless others at the disadvantagement of yourself. To disadvantage yourself for the love of another. That's a righteous person. And that's why the city rejoices. And my prayer is that San Diego rejoices because we're here. Um, lastly, it's my last point. God plants us to bloom where we are. God plants us to bloom where we are. Um, mission in many ways is connected to place, time, and your vocation. Where do you spend most of your time? At work. Do you see your workplace as a mission field? Start there. Ask the Lord to reveal that to you because it's true. That place where he's placed you, what you're doing is the greatest mission field that you could be in right now. And so here's my thing, invest where he planted you. Um, Researcher and, and missiologist Ed Stetzer says this, truth is you won't engage your community effectively if you love a different community. One of the greatest needs is to fall deeply in love with the people and place where God has placed you. Our ministry becomes anemic when our love for people and a place are a place with personal preferences, love of self, and a lack of readiness for the challenges. Do you love where you live? Will you root yourself there and say, God, I am here for your purposes? Here's a practical way to do this. Stacy is in charge of our city groups. Here's the mission of the city groups. We call them city groups because they're all through the city, and we want those groups to be for the city, to love, to pray for our city, to pe- for people in our city, as a refuge for people in our city. Some, some people might not come to a gathering like this, but they'll come to your house. Are you called to plant and start a city group? If you are, talk to Stacy. Here's the deal, in C.S. Lewis's masterpiece, The Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, there's a scene where the children are gathered around this table and there's the beaver who knows Aslan. Aslan is the Christ figure and here's what he says to them. He, He looks at the kids, he gathers them around and he says this, he says, they say Aslan is on the move. Perhaps he has already landed. And then it says next and now a very curious thing happened none of the children knew who Aslan was any more than you do but the moment the beaver had spoken these words everyone felt quite different at the same or at the name of Aslan each one of the children felt something jump in its inside at the name of Jesus you might not even know him but does something leap on your inside? Because what that is, is he's calling you into a purpose that's bigger than yourself. Don't wait any longer. Don't try to do this on your own and create your own sense of purpose. Come to the one who came to you first and now sends you out and says, go and tell the world about me. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you. For what you've done, I thank you for your grace on our lives. I pray, Lord, that you help us to see Jesus. And that we have a purpose and we don't have to look any longer. It can all be wrapped up in him. We pray this in his name.
0: Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at GraceCitySD.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.